From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we wrap up our Women Caring for the Land series with Lindsay Rabhan, and we dive deep into regenerative agriculture, what it is, why it's important, and how we as a community of women committed to sustainability can lead and champion the movement. Lindsay Rabhan is a co-owner of Ecological Design, a certified permaculture designer and ecological consultant based in western Wisconsin. A specialist in agroecology, land design, and land management, Lindsay works with farmers, food nonprofits, and organizations to increase the ecological, human, animal, and economic wealth of land over time. Thanks for joining us for our In Her Boots podcast, and today we are wrapping up our Women Caring for the Land series we've been doing the last couple of weeks featuring women with various hats in conservation and land stewardship and leaving this world a better place for future generations. And I am so excited we're going to close things out with Lindsay Rabhan, who is a real expert and pioneer in all things regenerative ag and agroecology and permaculture. We're going to talk about all of those different terms, but she is a woman I've known for years who has done so much in education and getting people more intentional on their land. So thank you so much for joining us, Lindsay. And maybe you could kick us off with with what I was just rambling there of some of these definitions. And can we start with regenerative agriculture? Because that, if I'm understanding right, is the, the space you define yourself in primarily. And what is that? What's that all about? Yeah. Hi, thanks for having me. So regenerative agriculture is a, a, a more encompassing term for uh, farming that you know aims to, to uh, not only produce food but increases uh, biodiversity and um, the water systems, the watersheds, and the ecosystems. Um, in addition to to growing food, so um, I'd say regenerative agriculture probably draws from uh, principles of uh, organic farming, uh, but also you know more agroecology. Um, and holistic management and agroforestry. And then, so permaculture, you sometimes use that in describing your work too. How are those concepts similar or, or different? Yes. And so there's, there's a lot of overlap here. And, um, and, and, and when we define permaculture, when I define permaculture, uh, it's, it's basically a design system um, that's based on indigenous wisdom. And uh, it's unique because it's a design system that has ethics. So the ethics can be defined as um, care for people, care for earth, um, and, and future care. 
So we're thinking not only about the seven generations ahead of us, um, we're thinking about being good stewards of this earth and in, in what we do, um, and then good stewards of each other. Um, so that's with the goal of permaculture is actually permanent human culture. Um, and so there's there's a lot of uh, systems, uh, systems design, systems thinking, interconnectedness, interrelatedness, interdependence of all the elements. And the term, you know, the term was coined by a couple Australians um, in the 1970s. But like I said, it's really a system that's based on indigenous wisdom. And um, but the, the Australians um, did write uh, principles. Um, so there's a number of principles that people can learn and um, that can help you towards this interconnected design system for the land and humans. That's great. What's kind of one of those guiding principles or what would be an introductory one for people, for women new to this to explore? Well, the first, perma- the, the first principle is observation. Um, which is really good uh, because when people are excited to get out and do something on the land, um, sometimes they just, you know, want to get in and and dig or, um, but really what we should do is observe the land. Um, And, and so my recommendation to everyone um, is know your land, know who lived on this land before you? Know what animals live on this land, what animals used to live on this land. Know the names of your water. Know your water bodies. Uh, know your trees. Know your plants. Um, and then that kind of informs you of how can you achieve your goals in combination with this existing ecosystem that you're a part of. Oh, that's great. And that's you're exactly right. That's something we we just tend to overlook because we want to jump in and order seeds and equipment and stuff and move. <laughs> why, why, Lindsay, do you think women in particular are so drawn to these principles? Because you definitely see, I, I think you see in your work, a real strong passion amongst women for regenerative agriculture, permaculture, all of these concepts. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, we do work with uh, majority women, um, women run farms and owned projects, uh, and we see a lot of women in conservation, um, and we see a lot of women choosing more sustainable choices in their farming practices um, and, and leading that in their families. I would say also across the world in general, women are the majority of the world's small farmers. Um, and so it doesn't come as a surprise to me that uh, a, an ethical system for um, working with nature is attractive to women. I think it's um, inherently women are instinctively seed keepers, uh, water protectors, um, and and caretakers for their family and community. And so uh, that really all, in my opinion, dovetails well with within uh, permaculture. And how did you first connect with these ideas? I know you've you've studied ecological systems for a while, but do you remember how how things first clicked? I uh, first came across permaculture actually the year after I graduated from college. So I um, was well steeped in um, growing food and ecology. Had never heard of that, um, and stumbled across it uh, by working on two farms in Guatemala. Uh, 2002. When I 
you know, I really enjoyed, I was able to work on a, um, uh, an established farm, um, and I was able to see all of the systems feeding into each other, um, and utilizing any waste, you know, eliminating waste and creating multiple enterprises for, uh, different ages of people and women, um, and families. And then I also worked on a startup, uh, farm. So I was able to see how, how things were getting established and do some of that work. And then decided when I came back to Minnesota, I wanted to connect and I couldn't find anyone that knew really what I was talking about. And I finally found my now business partner, um, Paula Westmoreland. And we immediately, who she had just started a, a landscaping business, a sustainable landscaping business in the Twin Cities. And we immediately started working together. That's great. And what kind of clients do you work with mostly? Are, are you both farms or urban dwellers or how how do you operate? Yes, we get to work with different uh, land owners and uh, land uh, caretakers of all acreage sizes. Uh, we have some urban clients. We've, we've worked a lot in the Twin Cities um, over the years and done a lot of uh, urban farming projects. Uh, also, uh, you know, f- uh, farm to table uh, restaurants, designs, and then we also work on larger acreage farms and homesteads, uh, more rurally. Um, our clients are uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, majorly. We also work in Iowa, uh, Illinois, North Dakota, um, and a couple other states. So I really get to know uh, particularly the, the oak savanna biome and a cold, temperate uh, agroforestry climate. And for farmers, uh particularly more smaller scale organic farmers, what are some ideas, concepts, things to think about of incorporating into your your farm from a, a regenerative agriculture perspective? Yes, for, for small farmers, if they're already uh, you know off off of using herbicides and pesticides, we'll start to explore other ways that they can enhance their soil fertility, that they can capture more water on site, and that they can increase diversity of plants. Um, so that that includes, you know, adding in a lot of um, agroforestry practices like windbreaks and riparian buffers, um, intercropping. Uh, so being able to have uh, annuals uh, buffered with some perennials, shrubs, or trees, um, and and then also encouraging of of silvopasture systems. So integrating animals into their uh, fields either afterwards for cleanup or integrating animals into um, you know shrubs and uh, trees, uh, tree crops um, to increase the the outputs, the products, and the fertility of the of their lands. We're really into cover crops, uh, helping farmers increase, you know, their diversity and fertility as much as possible. That's fabulous. And so in many ways, it sounds like if somebody is already in the sustainable and organic agriculture camp, it's it's refining and enhancing what one might already be doing too, right? But getting it under more of a, a holistic, integrated vision, or it sounds like many of us would already be on our way, but could learn some more from understanding. Yes. And a lot of times clients come to us with a couple really specific problems, um, whether it's a water problem is a common one. 
Um, whether it's a difficulty working um, maybe with a renter, wanting to transition out of corn and bean agriculture is, is a growing, uh, increasing amount of our clients. We do a lot of, uh, you know, being able to help people uh, source source things as well. And so, you know, I think that overall, if there's a design, then um, our clients are able to take it as as they can, but but feel feel happy that they have a plan that they can then work with as as they want to implement different sections and enhance different areas of the land. And it sounds like too, this is really a a lifelong process, if you will, right? It's not you're never done <laughs> with regenerative agriculture. There's always, as you were saying before, observations and things things to learn, or are there different uh, pinpoints along the way as far as someone's plan and how to get there? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's always ways to improve. There's always, you know, the more that you know, the more you know you don't know. There's always so many ways to grow and learn. Um, but also, I think there's there's budgets too and priorities. So, you know, I have, for example, a metal roof on my house, but I don't have the solar panels yet. And so, you know, I'm, I, you can kind of prioritize what you want um, you know, maybe a bigger priority for people is uh, to make sure, you know, if their if their budgets and their enterprises um, are working okay, then to find other things that are increasing their maintenance. Um, and so, you know, however we can help them to decrease their maintenance and their labor, so they can work on what they want to work on, do what they want to do um, in their meantime. That's that's the goal. And so, a self sustaining, a self sufficiency on the homestead and the farm is the goal. And then however much you want to deepen it, you know, is is up to you. Oh, that makes so much sense. How do you deal with some of the things I know we're all dealing with of invasives? Are those, how, how, how from a regenerative ag perspective, do you work with those? Yes. So with aggressive plants, um, we're, we don't have a chemical paradigm. You know, the way that we look at aggressive plants, which we recognize um, can create problems in systems by excluding the native plants that want to come in. And so uh, a regimen of disturbance and within that disturbance paradigm, including uh, tools for burning, um, for grazing with animals and prescribed grazing, and then also tillage. And so whichever is appropriate depends what plant uh, you're dealing with. Smothering can also be an op- an option. So, uh, you know, it really will will look at uh, aggressive plants and what is what is the problem. Um, particularly, buckthorn is an, an obvious one that's that most homesteads and farms have on their edges. Reed canary grass is another real common one for us around here. Uh, but for buckthorn, for example, um, we're also exploring um, in in addition to grazing with goats, um, prescribed grazing you know, is is getting in there and making sure that we're seeding a diverse seed mix. So every time we weed, we seed. We talk about that. Um, and so we're really supporting a, a shady, native, high diversity seed mix every time we go in and take the disturbance out for the plants that, that aren't as helpful for us. And then, you know, also we're experimenting with different things like buckthorn baggies by being able to cover the stump and prevent re-sprout. The word isn't out yet on that, but we're trying to encourage homeowners as much as possible to not use those chemicals because we have enough toxicity in regular everyday exposure that we don't need to be exposing our, ourselves to those. 
You bet. So for women intrigued, interested in these concepts, what would be some good starter resources? Where where should we kick things off? Oh wow. Well, you know, I I would I would go ahead and plug my website, ecologicaldesign.land. Uh, we have some resources there and I do teach some classes, uh, but mostly, you know, it's just a, a couple a year. Um, there are some great online resources um, in terms of agroforestry in general. Uh, the, the Center for Agroforestry at University of Missouri is, is really top-notch. I'm also on the advisory council for the Savannah Institute um, based out of Wisconsin. The Savannah Institute has, a, has great resources and a YouTube channel for, uh, for design. I, I've always been inspired um, and have learned a lot from Darren Doherty. Um, he has a company called Regrarians, um, regrarians.org. And then, you know, if people are just looking to see what are the are some basic permaculture design principles, you can go to permacultureprinciples.com. And there is a, for women, you know, since I am women focused and want to empower women landowners, women farmers, women agrarians, there is a woman named Karen Olson. And Quite a while ago, uh, she wrote a pattern language for women in permaculture and um, started compiling this best practices to support women in permaculture. And I really love uh, this document and I, I teach from it as well. Um, and she has she has a, a website called Regenipreneurs. I know that's a big word, um, dot org. But also, if you just Google a pattern language for women in permaculture, it's really great. Um, and you'll probably run into there uh, for, for sometimes for courses, women are not able to get off the farm. And so now we have online options. And there is an online permaculture course as well that's taught by 40 women that you could find. It's at permaculturewomen.com. Oh, that's intense. I mean, but that's truly in the spirit of women landowners and our collaborative efforts here to have a, a 40 women co-taught class. That is awesome. <laughs> and and where do you see the future going? Is there things are sounds like things are growing in interest or what what would you like to see if with that magic wand? I'd say right now we're in a moment in time that it's very important for us to make uh, regenerative choices uh, for our mind and our body. Um, and for our community and for the earth, you know, this there's large amount of problems that I don't need to list that, that are happening right now. And so as we're seeing an increase in women farmers, we're in, seeing an increase in farmers of color. We're seeing um, an increase in uh, people wanting to grow sustainable and organic practices. Um, and, and we really want uh, this regeneration to Everybody can be a part of it, even if you're not a farmer. I would like to see women leaders in communities, more women leaders, more connection. Um, I'm blown away by what we're seeing um, with the Farmers Union, for example, in terms of supporting women and and also um, grazing and alternative other uh, regenerative agriculture practices. I want to see more of that. Um, and I and I really feel like we are at a turning point, and so. Uh, it's it's important for us to all to support the practices um, for for a better, healthier planet and, and community. Terrific. Well, kudos to all you're doing, Lindsay. And I love that concept of regeneration because it, it also acknowledges that we're all starting from somewhere, right? And we all have something 
be it inside ourselves or be it on our land or be it in our community that we want to make better and build and enhance, but that there are there's good things happening that need to be uh, grown and regenerated and, and to uh, prioritize that health. Terrific. Well, thank you so much and all the best to all the good work you're doing. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.